0: Good morning. Traditionally I have the opportunity to address the student body during academic convocation at the beginning of the year. Unfortunately due to COVID uh, my, myself and the first lady actually had COVID so we were uh, isolated for two weeks and we weren't able to join you so uh, I just uh, ask for your forgiveness, except that it has really opened up the perfect opportunity for me to be able to come and to address you today, uh, because what the topic that I was going to talk to you about, and in, in with presidents, you know, we have about five messages that we use in rotation. Uh, it used to be four, but now we have a lot of five-year seniors, so we have to rotate it another year. Um, and so it, it was perfect, because what I was going to address with you at the beginning of the year actually fits with where you're at right now as we tend towards the end of the semester. Uh, and so I appreciate the opportunity to come and speak. Uh, you've, you've been basically going through this, this series of messages about living the bigger story. And we've moved from creation all the way over to commencement. All the while, we've been challenged with, this, with some key questions, like what is the bigger story? What am I living for? What am I striving after? And the idea is that God has really invited us to be a part of a bigger story, one that's been unfolding since the beginning of time at creation and continues to unfold each second, every moment as we go through uh, our lives. Now, last Wednesday, Dr. Cromwell shared some incredible stories about people right here in the history of Central Christian uh, who were able to answer these questions with great conviction and clarity. And she also asked us to consider partnering with God, asking God to help us take whatever next steps are needed in this pursuit to wholeheartedly live, uh, live and love Him. So it kind of brings us to where we are today. What's your story? Uh, what's, what, what is it? Uh, if Dr. Cromwell is right, and I believe that she is, that, that God gives us... Uh, challenges or opportunities every day, every moment, to take steps into new directions, then I guess it begs the question, what direction are you taking today? Has your direction moved? Has your story changed? Is what you're striving for something different than where you were last Wednesday when Dr. Cromwell gave that message, or a day ago, or an hour ago? If not, why? It begs the question, what are you living for? What are you striving for? Which is what I want to address this morning. You see, the unique reality of attending a place like Central Christian is that we are very intentional about trying to uh, take advantage of the fact that God's mercies are, in fact, new every morning. Therefore, providing you a chance every single day, in every moment, to adjust the trajectory of your life to incorporate the things that you're learning and that you're experiencing, changing your story, bringing it into better alignment with the bigger story. that That's the journey. Your time here really is a pilgrimage into that bigger story. Yet somehow, I'm not sure why, so many of us seem to miss that. We miss that, uh, that opportunity. We miss the challenge or, or the, the ability to respond to this challenge to be part of the bigger story and i don't know if it's because you know I, I i mean we get it we're in mcpherson kansas what happens in mcpherson kansas see but i would say that a lot can we just miss it we miss it and so my challenge today is going to be to try to challenge you to think through this um, that, that we, we are not, even though we're locked here in physically in McPherson, Kansas, there's a lot more to the bigger story and a lot more that we could do in the bigger story if we would just respond to it, evaluate the bigger story. So I'd like to begin by just telling you a story. Um, it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, I tell it, like I said, every few years, I tell the story. It's about this little boy. I grew up in, uh, Colorado, uh, and, and so, you know, taking hikes and, and that kind of thing is part of my history. So, it says this, this this story about this little boy. And one day he was walking along a path that kind of kept him up against the, you know, and, and, this is Kansas and this is Colorado. Okay, so you got these mountains, you know, that just kind of appear out of nowhere. So, he's taking this little this little path, walking along the cliffs, and as he was walking, he noticed that, uh, that there was this little egg laying on the ground. Um, and, and, and he realized as he came to this egg, that this little egg probably had fallen out of an eagle's nest that was perched way up high on the cliff. But when he looked at the egg, he saw that the egg was still intact. Now, he didn't know, that, you know if what was inside the egg was okay or not, but because uh, he cared, he picks up the egg, and, and, and he, he cradles it, and he's, he begins to wonder, well, what can I do? What, what can I do? Now, one thing this little boy knew is that all throughout the bushes uh, in the plain area right next to the cliff were prairie chickens. They lived in the bushes. And he knew that prairie chickens were pretty good with their young. He hadn't heard any stories where they kill off anything. They're just prairie chickens. They just do what they do. And so he decided that the best thing that he could think of is he would take this egg and he would lay it in the nest of a prairie chicken. So that's what he did. He searched bush after bush and finally found a bush uh, with a prairie chicken's nest in it and the prairie chicken wasn't there at the time. So he slipped himself in uh, under the bush and he put the egg in the nest of the prairie chicken. And he walked away. Now, as you can imagine, Mom... You know, mom walks in and she goes to her eggs and uh, oh my <laughs> there's a little something extra in there from the last time she was here. But prairie chicken mama's a good mama. And so she just she said, okay, it is what it is. And she took up her little skirts, her feather skirt, and she sat herself down on that nest and she began to warm those eggs, including that little eagle egg. And over time, as she loved upon her baby eggs, uh, they began to hatch, you know, one by one, you know. So you got gobble, 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 little, gobble, 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 little, gobble, gobble. and then the, <laughs> you know, because we got this eagle in the midst of all that, and she looked like, oh Lord, have mercy, Um, you know. But but she was a good prairie chicken mama, so she did what all good prairie chicken mamas did, and she just took care of the ones that she had. Didn't matter what they looked like or how they sounded. She was going to teach her babies how to be good prairie chicken babies. And so that's what she did. She trained up her babies to do all the things that good prairie chickens need to do. And there are a lot of good things that prairie chickens need to do. Like prairie chickens need to know how to scratch in the dirt. Because that's the only way they really eat is they got to go find stray seeds and maybe dig up a worm or an insect here and there. And so she went out and she taught her babies how to scratch in the dirt and find those little seeds and those little insects. And that little eaglet, he went out there and he learned to scratch. Actually, he was the best scratcher of all the little prairie chickens. He went out there and he could scratch the deepest holes. And he could find the best seeds. And he could find the best insects and worms. Of course, you know, if there was a, a threatening time, prairie chickens know, need to know how to run and hide. You know, so she she taught her little babies how to how to flash their little wings around and, and run really quick to go run under a bush and go hide. And so she would train them day after day, and they, they'd flap their wings, and they would run and do their thing and go hide. And you know what? That little eaglet, he could run faster and flap his little wings better than anyone else and find the best hiding places. He was pretty incredible. He was a great prairie chicken, did great prairie chicken things. I mean, he went and did, he went to Prairie Chicken Church. And, you know, uh, he went to Prairie Chicken School, and he joined the Prairie Chicken Scouts, where he became an Eagle Scout. Um, you know, and, and, and he did all the things that good Prairie Chickens supposed to do. He went to Prairie Chicken College. And it was the best over and over again. Always at the top of his class. Always doing the best. And then one day, many, many, many years later, he, uh, he ventured. Close to the area, they were out hunting and foraging for food. And he came close to the area, actually, where his egg had fallen. Now, he didn't know that. He didn't understand. But as he was there, as he was scratching in the dirt, he heard this call. And he looked up, which is something that prairie chickens don't often do. And there, up above in the sky, was the most amazing sight. It was this bird with a wingspan, incredible wingspan, and soaring on the clouds. And he watched, memorized by this bird that would just a few flaps of of their wings, and they would soar into the heights, and he would watch as they dive down through the air, maybe attack prey and take it back up into the sky. It's it's just this beautiful, beautiful sight. And he's sitting there. Finally, one of his brothers comes up to him and says, "What, What are you doing? He says, Look. He's like, what is that? Another woman said, well, that's an eagle. But don't worry about it. We can never be like them. They're the kings and the queens of the sky. We're just pretty And that little eagle looked up and shook his head. And he turned back to the dirt. And he began to scratch. Trying to find insects and stray seeds. And he lived out the rest of his life as a curd chicken. All this time, he had the ability. He was designed to be one of the most magnificent of birds, But he was conditioned by the world around him, by those around him, to live and eventually die just. Now, I know it's a story. Um, It's Out there, it's all kinds of legends and so on. It's a story. But this idea of being built to soar in the heavens, but yet being conditioned to stay earthbound, this idea that that an object could just spend their life looking after stray seeds and chasing insects, though designed to be among the most awesomeness of birds, that we would choose rather to listen to the counsel of those around us and believe into and buy into and invest into a chicken narrative. Unfortunately, it's a story that I see played out all the time in the lives of students, in the lives of staff, in the lives of faculty, in the lives of culture, in the lives of politics, is this, this reality that, that there's these people, that you, that we, that us, are built for a bigger story to achieve great things, even in ordinary circumstances. But we've been conditioned for mediocrity, conditioned to settle, conditioned to revel in the ordinary instead of taking our places in the extraordinary. I'm not sure who said this, but there's a quote out there that says one of the greatest tragedies in life is not that people aim too high and miss their mark it's that people aim too low and they hit it go back to where we started what are you aiming for what are you chasing what are you striving for what story are you living out You see, chickens, look, look, chickens have a ground, if I'm a chicken, okay, so I live down here, I I live down here, my point of view is very, very different. I mean, think about it. To get from here to there is a major obstacle. (laughs) There we go. I mean... To do anything, I want to say hi to, hi, you know. It's, it's a major obstacle. You, you see what I'm saying? If I'm a prairie chicken, that, that's my viewpoint. That's my life. Everything is, sorry, I'm spitting off over here. Um, everything is bigger. Does that make sense? I mean, hey, I got down, but getting up, uh, you know. But that's a prairie chicken's view because life is down here. Everything's down here with, with people's feet and the filth of the ground. And so even just minor things that should be easy to anyone become oh so much more difficult simply because of my point of view. Simply because of my perspective from where I live, where I choose to live. My perspective changes simply Because of where I choose to be. Does that make sense? Everything is difficult for a prairie chicken. Eagles have a much different point of view. Nothing's an obstacle to an eagle. Mountains and valleys, they're not things to be conquered. Those are just merely sights that I get to point out along the way. Does that make sense? Are you hearing me? It's the matter of perspective that changes the journey. And I want to make sure that you understand that prairie chickens, by nature, will always perceive that everything is a trial. Everything is something that causes stress. Everything is a case for anxiety. Where eagles don't it's not that prairie chickens don't desire more oh i'd love to go over and see what's on the other side of the mountain but dear lord the investment to get over that mountain or to get through that valley they just lack the capacity to ascend the above the restraints of their own worldview being grounded means you are limited in your point of view eagles just see things differently they're not bound by earthly and temporal thinking. They have a unique vantage point. They can soar ever higher for a better view. While well, chickens remain earthbound, rarely looking up. Why look up? Doesn't matter. The eagle is able to elevate above the fetters of mediocrity and go beyond. Now, I recognize, I, I'm going to see this because it's true for you all. Most of this message is true for everyone, but for you students, this is a very specific area, it, and that is that your generation is beset with challenges, and my, I had mental health challenges. This is a discussion we're having at the administrative level all the time, which is very interesting because while you are the most connected generation, I mean, I could pick up my phone now and talk to somebody in India live in a second. You know, that most connected generation. However, you are the loneliest generation. This dependency on the virtual world has uh, fostered feelings of isolation and depression as less time is cultivated into meaningful meaningful relationships. I mean, just look around you. How many of you, after a semester of being with other each other, don't even know each other. I'm surprised that I t- spoke to people who live on wings where they don't even know the names of some of the people that are on their wings. Because so much of our time is spent here. We've isolated ourselves in the midst of a community. And it's also this, 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 this reliance on, on the virtual has created what what the scientists are calling a compare and despair trap, where we compare our lives to TikToky people and this thing and that thing and this person and that what this person can do and all those kinds of things, and we despair because we don't we can't do that or we don't have that or we don't see that or we don't whatever. So when you take that and you couple it with a world that's, that's like in a turbulent tsunami of issues we got pandemics and we got politics and polarization in society many of you have fallen into a state of anxiety and angst now hear me what has happened is culture has penned you up has caged you in a lattice of lies and so what happens is like chickens we roost on our back ends of our perceived worth, of our perceived value, never recognizing that there's this bigger story out there that's just waiting for us to take up the gauntlet and begin to fight. And that's my fear that the now, let's see if I get through this. That that the you you may be believing in, that the you you may be investing in, that the you that you may be cultivating is not the you that God intended you to be. You hear me? Instead, you are believing in the you that the world has contrived for you. And I'm here to tell you that God has designed you for so much more. Unfortunately, we've allowed this world to condition us, like that little eaglet living with the prairie chickens. We've allowed the voice of the chickens of this world to condition us to think like a chicken. We've bought into the idea of mediocrity. We've become too comfortable with our prejudices. We've become too trusting of falsehoods, too engrossed in conventional aspirations. Mediocrity has become the currency by which we measure our success, and that's a real issue. We pride ourselves in ordinary achievements, and we expect other people to do too. You're in chapel. Yay! And we think, you've got to understand, it takes a lot for me to be here. I don't mean, I'm, it sounds like I'm being rude, which I guess I am, kind of. But that, that's kind of like, I, I deal with it too. I have employees who come to work, and you know, when you ask them to do something, they're like, you should just be happy I'm here. That is a belief in the mediocre. That's chicken level thinking. In Ecclesiastes 3:11 we're told God has made everything beautiful in its time. And he has also set eternity in the heart of humanity. Think about that. This idea that God, I don't care where you're at, what's going on, what has happened, you are beautiful. You are wonderfully created. You are uniquely designed. And deep in that heart, maybe you don't feel it at this precise moment, but deep somewhere in your heart, the heart of eternity beats. God has set it there. This call to be something more than what we've settled for as a culture. Yet many of us have ignored that inner voice chosen to live as Philippians 3 describes, which is kind of counter to what Ecclesiastes talks about, where we live by the appetites. It says their God is their stomach. What a unique I mean, the language. Their God is their stomach. Meaning that they are controlled by their appetites. Not just do I want to eat and I just eat, but it's everything. I want sex, so I go get sex. I want to lie, achieve, so I lie to achieve. Because what's ultimately important is not any big picture. It's my stomach. It's my internal drive. And that is chicken-level thinking. Now, let me be real with you. Life is hard. Life can be. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to water that down. Life can be hard. And that really shouldn't come as a surprise. I'm shocked when I talk to, and many of you may not even be, you know, where your relationship with Christ, I don't know, but I'm shocked when I talk to Christians who are shocked when life gets hard. Folks, we live in a fallen world. I mean, the story of, the bigger story, when when Pastor Zach took us in creation, I mean, that was the whole point. We live in a fallen and broken world. It's broken. That means it's going to be tough sometimes. Anyone who tells you that life is supposed to be easy, they're way off. In scripture, we're told that life will be full of challenges. And looking at the big story, uh, we we get that word at creation, but even as we go to the end of the Bible, uh, it's in Peter somewhere, Peter again dresses it and says, don't be surprised when tough times come. Don't be surprised as if this is something different. Look, Life just sucks sometimes. Anyone who tells you that following Jesus is suddenly going to make things better, I want to be careful because there's a definition that plays out in there. Because for me, my experience was very clear. I was was abused as a kid. I still have all those memories. God didn't take them away when I came to know Jesus. I have addictions. I have issues that I wrestle with. God hasn't taken any of those away. Now, I do know people that when they came to know Jesus, they gave their lives to Christ, that some of those things were taken away. Hallelujah to them. But it ain't my story. Simply put, sometimes life is just sucks. Um, Hurt is real. Death is real. Loss is real. Those things, though, folks, are built into the system. That's life. The question before us is not how can we make life easier for ourselves, but rather how do we approach life in such a way that we do not become overwhelmed by referring back to this this tsunami of anxiety and despair that surrounds us. Because that's the difference. If you're a prairie chicken and the winds of life hit you, you fall over. Because You can't stand up. Or you go hide in the bush. What does an eagle do when the winds pick up? They soar higher. They soar higher. And I guess that's really my challenge for us is to wrestle with that question about where you're at. Now, you, you may ask, well, how? 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 How do I do this? Well, it's nice that Scripture gives us kind of a layout. Uh, we go to, um, to, to, I think it's in Hebrews, um, this idea, it, lay, it lays out in the Scripture, it says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, throw off everything that hinders and the sin that entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. I love that verse. Since we are surrounded by a cloud. Now, here's the key question, because I know there's a lot of people here today. But who surrounds you? Since we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, really, that's talking about angelic hosts, Maybe even those who've gone already beyond. I don't know. I, I can't answer that question. I'm not a theologian. I'm a psychologist, so it's different. But I think it's saying that the testimony of reality says here's what you need to do. First, throw off hindrances. Throw them off. You know, if you're running, I used to be a cross-country runner when I went to Central Christian. And so part of the idea is you throw off hindrances. I mean, if you're running and you've got something around your foot, you have Get rid of it, right? Because you're not going to get anywhere. That's the point. So we have to throw off hindrances. So so that's part of the question. You want to be part of the bigger story? Maybe one of the things that you need to wrestle with in your life is what are those things that are hindering you? What are those things that are keeping you grounded? What are those things that chain you to the earth? And the hard part is some of those things are the things I like so much that I want to keep. I want them, you know? Men, you know, I'm a male. At least that check. Um, and I get the idea that what happens is our computers, our videos, you know, our phones, all those kinds of things gives us access to porn. Well, there for a while, I had to, I had to throw that away. Why? Because it hindered. Does that make sense? So, hinder. sometimes, dealing with hindrances sometimes hurts. I just want to say that. Now, the real hurt comes in the second part. Throw off your hindrances and throw off sin. (laughs) I mean, and how do you throw off sin? Because there's a difference. Throw off hindrances and throw off sin. Part of throwing off sin is just coming to the altar and saying, God, it's yours. Throw it off. You've got to get rid of it. You've got to give it to God. You've got to give it off. Does that make sense? Go back to the beginning of what I said. God's mercies are what? New, every. Three days, every week. Thank you. Every morning, His mercies. Before you open your eyes, His mercies are waiting for you. So that as you open your eyes and you say, "God, I give you this day, and I give you the sins of yesterday," because the next part, I want to run. I don't want to fix my eyes on you. That's that next part you gotta run You've gotta run right, with, with my kid uh, you got two kids right son it's time to clean your room okay son get upstairs and clean your room okay son get your butt upstairs now okay and then this is the same run <laughs> okay daddy okay 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 you know um, here's here's a little bit of an insight some of us, You know, you you signed on to be here. You signed a covenant. You signed all these things. But your journey from where you are to where you can be, some of us are kind of walking our way. Scripture says to run. To run. To run. That means you want it. You're going after it. You're pursuing it. You're leaning into it. You're going after it. And then fix your eyes, ultimately who is really the master eagle. He's the one that soars the highest. And so I, every day, day am seeking. And it's not that I, I, fail, I fail all the time. So there's days that I sink in my flight. But every day is a look up to see where he's at and say, Lord, I am, I am flapping those wings, and I am soaring ever higher to reach you. And that's really my challenge to you this morning, is to believe that the you that God intended you to be is worth pursuing that it's worth laying aside what the world is trying to make you into and to take hold of the incredible things that God has for you. And and when I say incredible things, it's not that he's going to turn you into a star or a master missionary or any of those things. It's just that in your everyday, ordinary, humdrum reality that God can enter in and begin to do extraordinary things. And look, there are some of you that are out there That though you hear these words and though you want to, ultimately you feel like you just can't. Because life has been too hard. It's too full of heartache. My life is full of tragedy. You've been cheated. You've been despised. You've been thrown aside. You've been disgraced. You've been ashamed. You've been abandoned. You've been abused. You're full of hate and anger or outrage or sorrow or pain. For you, being a chicken is not so much a choice but a designation given to you by cruel and uncaring people around you. Hear me. That is all a lie. Being a prairie chicken has nothing to do with what other people have put into your life and has everything to do with what God can You have to open up. You have to allow him to happen. Go ahead and put that picture up. There's a picture, if you ever have a chance to be in my office, there's a picture that hangs in my office. Um, It actually hangs over my door, so it's rarely seen by individuals because people don't usually look up over the door. It really hangs there. It's for me and for me alone. It's not really there for public consumption. And it's not really there for art me to enjoy. It's there as a reminder to always be focused on the bigger story. Each time I look at this picture and I see it and I take a moment to reflect upon it, I'm reminded not to give up hope, but to keep fighting. See, in this picture, which was actually drawn by a student here during a chapel when I was giving a version of this message a number of years ago, And as he drew this, it was this picture of the idea that our hearts long to take flight, that our hearts long to open their wings and to soar, but our flesh looks to kill and to destroy and to ground it and to grind it, to rob us from godly inspiration to keep us trapped and down. So every time I look at it, I'm reminded to keep fighting. I'm reminded that the eagle in me is alive and it wants to fly, but shame and disgrace and humiliation and hate and anger, failure, disappointment, discontent, all try to devour it back and pull it back and keep it from flying. But yet the eagle still battles. And yes, there are feathers that fall because the battle is real. And though the insidious forces of this dark world would have me settle for a lesser story, the claws of despair and misery try to devour my freedom, it is the image of those beating wings, striving and stretching to fly, battling to take flight, battling to be free, that I am reminded of the redemptive gift that God provides us through the blood of Jesus Reminding me that I ain't a chicken. And the feeble story of my flesh is not what defines me. For I am made for a bigger story. A larger purpose. A grander good. So I will not give up. I will not be conquered. Trusting in Christ and trusting in that bigger story... I will rise up with the wings like eagle, and I will run, and I will not grow weary. I shall walk, and I shall not be faint. And that is really ultimately my challenge to you. As this semester closes, as we enter into the final weeks of a journey that began back in August, I would ask you this question that we began with. Are you part of a bigger story? What are you striving for? What are you living for? God brought you here back then. God has kept you here till now. He desires to do great and mighty work through you. So don't miss the chance. Don't settle. Look at where you are today to where you were. And ask yourself, how have I allowed the opportunities and experiences change me, and bring me into a larger story. And as these last two weeks culminate, I ask that you wrestle with the reality, because this is what we're about. The only reason I'm invested here is because I, I believe that even if just one of you, though I hope all of you, but if I get one of you to break the chain and to take flight, Every moment of pain and suffering or anything else that's involved about being here is fully worth it. So I pray and ask you, as you scratch, as you search, as you eat seeds and insects, wrestle with the question, is there something more? Is there a bigger story? And respond to it. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, I pray your blessing on these students here. I pray for the faculty and staff that are here. I pray for those that are listening, that, Lord, even now as they leave this place, that this, this message, this the, the words of my mouth, which are really meaningless without your Spirit, that your Spirit would take them and magnify them as they leave. That, Father, you would bring opportunity for them to bring up this story with each other and challenge each other and ask each other, not as ch- from chicken to chicken, but, Father, as eagle to eagle, to challenge them, to soar upon your spirit, O God, as you send the wind of your spirit into our lives. Help us to open our wings and to live the unfettered freedom that you provide for each of us. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you all.